The Holy Gospel according to John, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Have you noticed that when the Bible begins in the Old Testament book of Genesis, it begins in total and complete darkness? And have you noticed that when it ends in the New Testament book of Revelation, it ends in brilliant and everlasting light? And... Have you noticed that in between the first and the last books of Scripture and throughout both Testaments and woven through all 66 books, all 1,189 chapters and all 31,102 verses, did you notice there is a movement out of the darkness and into the light that occurs over and over again? Because if you hadn't noticed, please know it's true. The Bible begins in darkness. It ends in light. And in between, it dances back and forth between and into and out of the two. Today we find ourselves in a kind of darkness unlike anything we have ever known before. A kind of darkness no one ever imagined, a kind of darkness that seems to change by the hour. Just about everything we know has been disrupted. Our patterns of coming and going, our routines for structuring each day, and even our rhythms of work and rest, they have all been uprooted, so much so that life feels both unfamiliar and disturbingly unsettled. People are experiencing all kinds of emotions, which of course is to be expected. Some are anxious, others uncertain. Some are disappointed, others frustrated. Some are all of the above, others just plain scared. And I think it's fair to say 
that all of us, to one degree or another, are worried. We are concerned for our loved ones, for our neighbors, for our co-workers. We're concerned for ourselves. We're concerned for the future. Because with the rapidly changing situation we are in, we just don't know what news tomorrow will bring. It goes without saying that this is a strange time when worshiping in an empty worship center appears likely to have become a new normal, albeit temporary, for churches all around the world. But nevertheless, we give thanks to God for technology that allows us to be together virtually and for the word that cannot be silenced as it comes to us both in scripture and in song as a salve for our battered souls. As you may know, we follow the lectionary here at St. Philip the Deacon, which means that the readings for each weekend of the church year are assigned over the course of a three-year cycle. It is a rare occasion when we make a decision to deviate from these texts. While it's reasonable to think that if ever there was an occasion to substitute another reading, this would be it, I want you to know that we have not replaced the readings for this fourth Sunday in Lent. What a blessing it is that the psalm assigned for today, the 23rd, is so perfectly suited for a time such as this. It's been said that Psalm 23 very well may be the most familiar passage anywhere in Scripture, both for the churched as well as for the unchurched. The psalm is often recited around hospital beds and at funerals, but for many Christians, it's a go-to psalm in times of uncertainty, despair, and distress. And for that reason alone, it shouldn't come as a surprise that the 23rd psalm shows up not once, but six different times in our lectionary cycle, more frequently than almost any other reading. God knows how much we need those words, especially right now. The psalm itself is brief, just six verses long, easily and readily memorized by many. Each one of the six verses is worthy of our attention and reflection and meditation. But it's verse four that I draw your attention to because it speaks an important and necessary word for this day. The psalmist writes, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. David wrote those words using his own experience as a shepherd tending his flock in the Judean wilderness in order to speak of how our God, our good shepherd, tends to us, members of his flock. After speaking in the opening three verses about the work of the shepherd, David turns his attention to the valley. According to W. Philip Keller in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, every shepherd knows that on the way to green pastures, there will be valleys, many, dark and deep, and each valley must be carefully navigated. The sheep require extra attention during this part of the journey, and they need a strong, calm presence from the shepherd. 
It's clear from Psalm 23 that David understands that reality. David knows that when leading his sheep to green pastures, to still waters, and to paths of righteousness, traveling through the valley will be inevitable. David knows that when the darkness is at its worst, the sheep must keep their focus on the shepherd and listen to his voice and look to the power of his rod and staff. And David knows that the singular focus of a good shepherd is to calmly lead the flock out of the darkest valley and back again into the light. Which is why he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. In other words, and this is David's point in verse 4, deep, dark valleys are inevitable in this life. But just as inevitable is the abiding presence of God. Know this. God is leading us through this dark valley right now. We know this to be true because God's promise to be with us is woven like a golden thread throughout all of Scripture. First at creation, then during the flood, and into the wilderness, and at the fall of the kingdoms, and all throughout the exile, every single step of the way, God repeatedly made it clear to his people that he was with them. Finally, going so far as to name his one and only son, Emmanuel, translated God with us. And it was Jesus, God's Son, our Lord and Savior, who promised, I am with you to the end of the ages. So God shows up. As the writer of Hebrews says, in many and various ways, I dare say God is showing up all over the place in many and various ways. God alone is responsible for the goodness and the mercy that we experience daily, even in this dark valley. A friend of mine posted on her Facebook page this past Tuesday, Years ago, someone said to me, Remember, people are creative, resourceful, and whole. And then she concluded, I am watching in awe and gratitude as we rise to this occasion together. We have been witnesses, have we not, to some amazingly beautiful displays of human creativity and resourcefulness. We have seen the Italians singing in harmony from their balconies. We've seen school teachers posting their email addresses, inviting parents to reach out for help while homeschooling their kids through everything from math to foreign languages. We've seen people making themselves available to pick up and deliver groceries for the most vulnerable populations. One man explained his availability this way. I have some free time since my restaurant has shut down. We've seen an entertainer invite kids across America to send to her videos of themselves singing their part in the school musical that won't ever be performed because of the academic pandemic. Her inbox has been flooded. 
We have seen people giving away not only their time, but also their goods, all for the sake of the other. We've seen a property owner tell his tenants running restaurants, pay your employees, worry about the lease later. And there's so much more. Archbishop Desmond Tutu was once asked, what do you do in times of despair? And he answered, you show your humanity. Indeed. In the gospel reading for today, the man born blind explains his miraculous healing this way. He says, this one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. Today, we can join in his acclamation saying, this one thing we know, this one thing. We are the sheep of the good shepherd, and he is leading us through this darkest valley to green pastures, to still waters, to paths of righteousness, and to a table where our cup overflows. I close this morning with a prayer that we sing each week as we conclude our Monday Vespers service, the prayer of good courage. Let us pray. O oh God, you have called us to ventures where we cannot see the end, by paths not yet taken, through perils unknown. Give us good courage, not knowing where we go, to know that your hand is leading us wherever we might go. Amen. <laughs>